0: And it's my pleasure to bring you the three-ish things this morning, some of the things that we think are important for you to know. If you're a parent walking out with your kids, don't worry. These are on our events page on the website, and you can always look there so you don't miss anything. Um, The first thing we have for you this morning is our midsummer family potluck. It is next Sunday after church. We invite all of you to join us. Stay out in the grass under the tent or up in the park, however you like, but join us for a potluck. A couple notes on that if you're wondering how am I going to bring a dish and maybe it needs to stay warm. That is a very valid question. Um, We're going to have a few people in the kitchen, so if you're coming to church and you're bringing food to share and it needs to stay warm, just write a few little instructions on it, drop it off at the kitchen, and they'll take care of that for you and get it out. Um, same with if there are some food sensitivities and you're cooking for those food sensitivities, feel free to just label that, and we'll have a special table set aside for those things as well. We're going to have the gelato truck here. It's $2 a scoop. Um, so bring a little, bring a toonie for that. Enjoy some gelato. Enjoy some fellowship. We're going to have some games out uh, for kids and families and whomever to, to join in on. But it's just going to be a great time for us to fellowship together. So we hope you can join us. Number two is an update on Jumpstart. We talked about this last week. Jumpstart is our back-to-school program where we provide backpacks and school supplies for families that really need extra help as they um, start up the new school year next year. And so we invited you to partner with us. And this week, if you read the Friday email, you heard we already have 103 backpacks funded, which is fantastic. Our goal is 300. Um, I checked this morning. We actually have 10 more, so we're up to 113 now. So thank you so much New Life for helping us with that. If you would like to um, give to this, you can either e-transfer funds uh, to give at newlifechurch.ca or you can go on our church app and there's a fund specifically for the Lord's Pantry there. I did have some questions, can we just donate a backpack? We have some great backpacks in good condition still lying around, and that's a really good question. Normally, we do love to try and do any kind of reduce, reuse, and recycling. Um, however, when we think about the kids coming to pick up, some getting a brand new and some getting a used one, um, there's, there's some disquality that happens there. So we aren't actually taking donations of backpacks, but we would love if you would partner with us financially. So that's our Jumpstart fi- update. And we're sticking with two things this morning, but before I finish, I'm just going to pray for our tithes and offerings this morning. So Father God, we thank you that as a church, we try to practice generosity. It's one of our values, and we try to put that at the forefront. And so God, I thank you for the tithes and offerings that come in each week whether they're physical ones dropped off in the building, whether they're coming through online, they are um, people responding to you in worship with their finances. And so, God, we pray that you would take those dollars, that you would bless them, that you would multiply them, and God, would you give us wisdom in how we use them. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to invite Bernice Sondrup up, and Adam, I'm going to switch microphones on you. The reason we do them is um, partly so you can get to know each other, but because we know there are so many things that as a church body, you, just as individuals, are involved in, um, in serving the kingdom of God. And so we love to celebrate those stories, hear about what, what is happening in our valley, maybe beyond our valley, and encourage you and inspire you as well through them. So I want to introduce you to Bernice. Bernice. I met Bernice, um, what, I guess about two months ago now. She came in and sat with Pastor Scott and I, and we got to know her a little bit. And when she left, Scott and I looked at each other and said, we need to get her up, friend, because she has an amazing life. I'm going to pass you this amazing story of just engaging um, in the mission of Christ all her life. We don't have time to touch on all of it, do we? (laughs) But we're going to scrape the surface just a little bit. Um, So Bernice, why don't you start just by telling us a little bit about you and how did you come to New Life? Okay,
1: so um, as Alana said, you know, I'm getting on, so there's lots to tell, and so I think I'll spare you and summarize it as much as I can. Um, So... um, well, I got married uh, to Paul and, um, uh, in, in 1961, and I have three wonderful children, and I have to say, awesome, awesome grandchildren, because grandmas just love their grandkids. Um, uh, my husband and I went to Bible school together and to Wycliffe Bible translators, and we really felt a call to missions. Um, and uh, for 10 years, we served. Uh, with um, the uh, Shushwap native people in the Caribou. And I totally fell in love with these people. Um, they were just um, the most gentle people. They just embraced us and they loved it when we were learning their language because we made so many mistakes and they were able to laugh and laugh at us. So. But it was a wonderful experience. My husband became ill while we were there and it was obvious that we couldn't continue so we had to leave and it really broke our hearts. Um, We moved to Vancouver Island for a little while and then to Vancouver and uh, now I'm here in Duncan and I love it here. Uh, So I moved here April 31st um, and I have a lovely small home behind my uh, daughter and son-in-law and grandson um, And uh, years ago, uh, when um, I used to visit Joanne and Nino, I used to come to church on Sunday, come here, and I was so impressed with this church. The outreach was just, is just awesome, and I, I was really impressed, and so,
0: you know, living here, I felt that this was a good church to call home. That's great, well we're glad to have you. Um, so one of the, what we really want to touch on today when, when Bernice and her husband moved to Vancouver, um, she was feeling like she needed, you needed to find something mm-hmm. to do and so you joined a ministry there working with the street people in downtown Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about that? So, um, you know, when you've been a missionary, um,
1: it's, it's something that's embedded in you And by the way, we're all missionaries, but you know, when you have a calling from God, uh, it might be a little stronger feeling. Um, And I felt an ache in my heart to, you know, I wasn't doing anything for the Lord. I was teaching Sunday school at church, but, um, and I cried out to the Lord, Lord, you know, I just feel useless. And the Lord said to me, "You're, you're still a missionary. You know, and so I thought, well, from that time on, I thought, well, okay, I'm going to investigate um, what the Lord wants me to do. And my brother at that time had just started a ministry called Crossfire Ministries, and it was to drug addicts and street prostitutes, and, and, you know, he says, well, why don't you come and join me? And I'm thinking... That is the last place I want to ever be. And then the Lord really spoke to my heart. He's like, come on, Bernice, give it a try, give it a try. So I went down uh, with my brother one Monday night and the team, and um, I I tell you, um, have you ever heard of knees knocking? Well, they absolutely do when you're afraid. And I really had a hard time getting out of the van. Um, The darkness in that area is so dark. And uh, so anyways, I got out and the lady that was to look after me and take me uh, and show me the ropes uh, took me down the darkest alley. I mean, you couldn't get it any worse. And I'm thinking, God, I'm going to die. I really am, I'm gonna die down here. Anyways, as she so lovingly talked to the people, I I just fell in love, I just fell in love with, with the ministry, I fell in love with the people, and I, okay, God, this is where you want me to be. So some of the areas, I think uh, you wanted to know some of the areas, and these areas are still there, but they've changed a lot. Uh, East Hastings, Fraser View, Mount Pleasant, Granville Street Davie, and Davy and Town. I wanna tell you a little bit about Yale Town, Yale Town was Boys Town. And this is where the young teen boys were prostituting. And this is where, I tell you, my heart broke a lot in ministering to those young boys. Um, And the women have actually, because of uh, development, the women have moved on to uh, other areas, but there isn't the amount of street prostitution today as there was when I was ministering. By the way, street prostitution is just the tip of the iceberg. If you ever look in on any of the ads of the newspapers or even in the telephone book, it is rampant with prostitution. People putting their, their names and addresses out there. So the ministry's goal was to share God's love and to bring hope and deliverance and help them leave their destructive lifestyle. Uh, many of the women could not believe that Jesus loved them. When we told them Jesus loved them, they just shake their head and no, no, He couldn't love anybody like me. Do you know what I've done? You know what my life is like, and uh, you know we just uh, give them a verse. One of the verses I used to share with them was in Matthew 21:31. Jesus said to them, "Surely, that tax collectors and harlots would enter the kingdom of God." before you, that was before the Pharisees. He was talking to the Pharisees at that time. And they said, really, really? And I said, yeah, yeah. And then I tell them the story of the woman at the well. And they were just so amazed that Jesus' love for people like them. I had a 16-year-old come up to me one day and she says, the girls on the street have told me that uh, I could never be saved, that Jesus wouldn't, wouldn't have anything to do with me. And so, again, we assured her, and she accepted Christ that night. So, you know, it's just wonderful to see uh, how God works.
0: That's great. So once your knees stop knocking, you really <laughs> yeah. dug in there. And I know you saw some, I mean, you've just given a few examples, but you saw some amazing things of God at work. Can you give us just one or two more ideas of how you saw God mm-hmm. working there? So when you pray and
1: you're ministering, and you think, you know, how is this going to work out? Um, if So what we found happened many, many times was how God, how Jesus orchestrated encounters. Uh, we would pray for a certain woman or young man and uh, that we would see them that night. And sure enough, there they were, you know, and they, they were ready to greet us. They were... You have to realize uh, this is uh, almost like going into a a foreign country because their lifestyle is so different. So for them to be ready to greet us was uh, a real open door. Um, We had two pastors that used to come down periodically and and minister with us. Um, And it was always amazing to me that Uh, The women were so happy to see a pastor, to just talk to them. And uh, so we we loved having pastors with us. Um, uh, We would also pray, Lord, have someone ready to leave the streets tonight. And sure enough, there would be somebody that night would say to us, hey, I want to get out of here. Please, please take me out. Please find a way for me to get out of here. And one gal just chased us up the street. She's, stop, stop. She was out of breath when she got up the hill. And she says, I have to get out of here. Please get me out of here. I'm going to die here. I need you to get me out. And so we found uh, sometimes a recovery place. Uh, sometimes a, a private home would take them. Uh, we've had to hide women from their pimps um, f- for anywhere from six e- months to a year. Uh, so we, we had, uh, you know, different places that we could place them. Um, we often got calls from parents. They would send us a picture, they'd describe their child, and they would ask us to help them off the street. And when we found them, um, you know, if they were willing, we'd send them home. We'd buy an airplane ticket, we'd buy a bus ticket, whatever we could do to get them home. Quite often, we had to uh, reach into our own pockets.
0: That's great. And so, as happens when we engage in these kinds of things, it's not just transformational for the people that we're helping, but it can be transformational for us as well. Can you tell us, what did God teach you during your time with this ministry?
1: You know, I went in <laughs> as a real greenhorn. <laughs> you know, I didn't have any street smarts. I um, my expectations were, you know, you're a Christian, everybody tells the truth, uh, nobody's going to hurt you, um, you know, they love you. Uh, no, no, I, I had encountered um, some pretty uh, hurting, angry people. So I, I had to learn not to be offended Um, of the women's bitterness, of their language. Uh, They didn't hold back how they felt. If they didn't like you, they'd tell you so. Get out of my face, they would say. I don't want nothing to do with you. So that kind of rejection was hard to take. And there were times when I thought, well, what am I doing here? These people don't want me. But it's not that they don't want me. They don't want Jesus. They're scared of him. And uh, because you know they're so broken, um, so I I didn't have a, um, a realistic expectation of of uh, my my encounters or my relationship with them. So if you have expectations, you'll be disappointed and discouraged because relapse happens often. So especially with addicts, you know they they. Uh, get better for a while and then boom, they meet a friend or their uh, drug addiction uh, kicks in and away they go, they're down. But you have to be there to pick them up. You don't leave them down there. Um, Their healing process was a work of the Holy Spirit. And that's something I had to always remind myself, this isn't me raising them up. It is God. It is the Holy Spirit raising them up. Um, and uh, every now and then we had a, a Bible study. Uh, there would be like this, oh wow, wow! You know, and just this shaft of light would come into their heart and into their soul. So it was just awesome uh, experience that experiencing that yeah. about myself. Uh, being a missionary um, was, or pardon me, prior to being a missionary, uh, I would avoid traveling through the poor part of Vancouver, um, and the, especially the red light district. I would think to myself, this area is horrible. Uh, the city needs to clean it up. Oh, my heart was so hard, so hard. So judgmental. I had to change my religious attitude toward the people who lived in these areas, filled with drunkenness, drug addicts, prostitutes, pimps, and replace it with the with compassion and unconditional love. And I say unconditional love. When they mess up, when they when they, they look terrible and and desperate and hopeless, I had to have that unconditional love. And again, it was the expectation. These are lost. These are people who need Jesus. Um, uh, I had to learn how to handle fear and rejection without being hurt and discouraged. And I have been sworn at. I've had coffee thrown at me. I've been threatened by pimps. I've been hit in the face by a drunk man, and I had I had to be prepared to die. I had to think, God, if you want me to die down on the streets tonight, I'm there, I'm, I'm willing. So I had to have that, to be prepared in my heart and mind. I had to, t- uh, God had to take me out of my <laughs> happy Christian bubble <laughs> and show me the real world around me. And I, I, I'll i be honest, I, I just love my Christian bubble. I just loved that comfort of church and fellowship and friendship and, and you know, I, I loved it. So t- to have to face what the lost world is like, what darkness is like, what the enemy is like, I, I got shook out of my Christian bubble. We live in a broken, sinful world that um, needs Jesus. Mm -hmm.
0: That's great. So my last question is you talk about having to change, how much you had to change um, to work down there. What would you say to someone uh, who is trying to change their attitude and maybe struggling with it?
1: (laughs) Uh, This is a good one. Because, number one, you have to be willing. Willing to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is going to show you or is going to tell you. And, you know, we often think, God, what is your will? What is your will? And um, and then when we hear it, we don't quite believe it. But You know, always check with, you know, if if you feel you're called to something or um, you want to change an attitude or, you know, go and check it out with your pastor or or leaders as well. But if you want to change your attitude, the Holy Spirit will do that. He will help you change your attitude. Um, And he'll give you a heart of love and compassion that you never had before. But it is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process of you seeing the lost as Jesus sees them. Um, Matthew 28, uh, 18 to 19. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. By the way, I think this is one of and only command that Jesus gave us. That's our job. Somebody, somebody obeyed that verse and spoke to you, and you received Jesus. That's what it's all about, is sharing the gospel with our friends, with our neighbors, with our relatives. Since retiring from Crossfire Ministries, I'm still in touch with many of the women who uh, have become sisters in Christ, brothers in Christ. Several of them call me mom. I get phone calls every now and then, even though I'm now living in Vancouver Island. they still want to make sure I'm there. I had one young woman that called me at least once a month to make sure I was still there. Because you know I'm getting older. <laughs> um, so this is not the end of my story. I still have, uh, uh, I still want to share the good news of the gospel wherever I can. And um, I'm still a missionary. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well,
0: that's right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Bernice. We really appreciate it. I hope that it has been inspiring for you. Um, Bernice has written about her experiences. She has a book. We're going to buy it for the library so you can check it out of the church library if you want to hear some of her experiences down on the streets. And um, yeah, Thank you so much. Andy, I'm sorry for taking all of your time, um, but I want you to feel free to preach as long as you want. Come on up while we're... <laughs> while we're getting down. And uh, let me just um, pray for Andy here this morning. Father God, I thank you that, that you've given Andy a word for us. I pray that there would not be stress of time constraints in sharing that word, but God, that our hearts would be open, our spirits would be open, and that you would give him a quiet confidence as he shares. So we thank you this morning. Amen.
2: to say take as long as you want because that, that could be like five seconds or that could be like five hours. So um, it won't be five hours. I can guarantee you that. Um, I, I like what Andrew said, uh, like he's a sub for the sub. So I, I was kind of thinking about that and I, I kind of feel the same way. You know when you come off the bench, you know, you and you finally get to play. I feel like that today. There's there's. An excitement, but then there's a nervousness. It's easier to be on the bench and blame everybody else who's playing than to to actually be off the bench. So, so blame away. Um, I, I'm sharing with you this morning. Um, uh, Philippians 1:27 is is what we're gonna kind of use as our our trampoline or springboard. I don't know if you can picture being on a trampoline. Bouncing, then reaching up and grabbing an apple, coming back down again and grabbing another one. We're going to do that that this morning. That's kind of the the, the picture I, I want you to, want you to have. And it's and Scott has given me the liberty not to speak on First John, so I, I apologize if you were kind of hoping to to just carry on our our study of, of uh, the first epistle of John. Um, and it and, and this is really born out of my my quiet time through July. I, I've been reading Philippians and kind of rereading Philippians. Through the month of July, and was reminded particularly of this verse that that I remember Stuart Briscoe. You may have heard of him. Um, he, I remember him preaching on on this verse, and it stuck with me. You know, how, there's not there's not many things that stick with me because I have a, a memory, a very short memory, but it stuck with me for years and years and years. And I used to recite this verse before playing soccer. I'm a, I'm a soccer nut, uh, and I used to play. I'd play five times a day if I could. Now I can hardly even walk, so I, I can't play anymore. But, but I am I'm very competitive, and, and I used to be unhealthily, overly competitive, particularly in soccer. I don't know if any of you are like that in sport where that red mist comes up, and you just become another person. You know, you can be quite a nice person, you know, most of the time, but as soon as you play sport, like, wow, just crazy. So I, I, this verse uh, I used to have to recite before playing whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. And, and it, can, it, it stuck with me through the years now that the situations I find myself in or situations that I know I'm going to be entering, I, I need reminding, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. So that's our, that's our springboard um, for where we're going to go. And I, Andrew asked me what I was going to speak on, so I kind of said that, but I said really all of Philippians. So it could be five hours because we're going to kind of springboard into a number of places in, in Philippians. And just a little reminder, if you haven't read Philippians in a while, maybe maybe this will whet your appetite to to have a reread. Um, maybe maybe you want to do that for the month of August. Just just keep reading through Philippians. Just just allow it to soak in. For me, I think I'm a slow learner, so I have to in my quiet time. I I, I need to do that. I have to kind of. Read and reread, and then and then the Lord can slowly teach me things. But just as a reminder of Philippians, it's written by Paul from from really house arrest. I, I, I kind of think he was in lockdown, so it wasn't necessarily a prison. He was in his rented house, you know, under under guard, couldn't leave, um, and it, and he wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon from from from, the, from these two years of of being in lockdown. So it kind of comes out of that, which you think probably one of the, the greatest preachers ever, probably one of the most dynamic people, is stuck in lockdown. But God used him mightily. I mean, it, it, there's many, many of us have been encouraged through those prison letters. And, and the whole book really is, it's different to, to his other letters because it comes out of his own personal experience. It comes out really of what has happened to him um, either there in Rome or other times of his life. So, so as you read it, you get a, you get a warmth. There isn't necessarily an agenda like there are in some of the other epistles, where it's it's correction of of the conduct of the people or wrong teaching or whatever. It's really Paul encourages the Philippian church out of his own experience. Um, he's he's prim, if there was a, a theme or an agenda, he's primarily wanting to thank them for their concern for him because they've sent him money and they've sent him a guy called Epaphroditus to to help him. So it's really really thanking. The church for that. But in doing that, he, he shares his own experience. So, so that's a little bit of background, um, hopefully, to, to keep this fairly short. So here's the verse Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And uh, I, I, I always, often when I'm, I'm looking for a little phrase, I often look for Mark Twain because he nearly always has something really good and, and a way of saying things. And, and this is just very simple, isn't it? Apparently, there's nothing that cannot happen today. So that verse, I think, is so relevant to us. You think of our last few years, you know, pandemic and, and now what's happening in Ukraine and monkeypox or whatever, all these things, you know, a, a threat of, of recession and um, there's just so many different things. What what We don't know what will happen this afternoon. We don't know what is going to be put on our plate. And and I kind of think of the elephant in the room here, you know, as I look around. Um, there's, there's very few of us and we, we don't really speak of it, but when we first started attending here, we had two services that were both fuller than we are now. And it's just a fact, isn't it, that we are, we are a lot less. I know it's a holiday weekend and, and you've got the sub of the sub of the sub speaking today. So that's probably why there's, there's few of us. But, but generally, we are not many, are we? we? We are less. And there's tons and tons of reasons for that. I, I did a bit of Googling to see you know, what, what church looks like, what, what people in faith looks like now. And statistics are kind of scary um, and I know they're not always accurate, but but apparently about 3,000 people are leaving church every day in the United States. So if you put that on an average, nine churches close every day. So they can't pay the bills anymore. So so that you know the, the the church doors have to close. And and not that 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 is a bad thing necessarily. Perhaps this is this is you know of the Lord that we need a bit of a bit of gleaning, a bit of refining um, in in church and and so on. But. But many of us leave church. We walk away from faith for lots of different reasons. You know, primarily hurt, uh, uh, um, uh, challenge in relationship, maybe disagreement, maybe doubt, maybe just disobedience. I like I like what uh, the writer, the Hebrews, says in in chapter one. He he warns of us not to drift away. And I think it's really easy, especially with the cover of COVID, for us to to drift away from from the faith from the Lord Jesus. So. But there's many great reasons why perhaps people aren't here. I know some of the other churches have filled up a bit. Maybe it's transfer and so on. But but anyway, uh, I'm not a pastor here. I'm not on staff. And I thought I just mentioned a elephant in the room. So there we go. Um, so let's let's jump into this onto this trampoline and and jump up. So whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. So the first place we're going to jump, we're going to take that phrase. Well, let me just clarify this. So so. Whatever happens, conduct yourself. And, and on one hand, I, I like the idea of, of my conduct, you know, that it should be honoring to the Lord. Um, but on the other hand, I, I, we, you know, I don't like the fact that, that it's about what I do and so on. But really, if you, if you look at the root of this, it's, it's an imperative. It's the first command that, that Paul gives in this, in this letter. So it's a command, but it's a passive, in the passive voice in the Greek, which, without trying to sound really clever, means that, that it's not something we do. In other words, a, a good translation would be, you know, be the citizen that you're, you are, because we are. We, we are children of God. We, we are his ambassadors. Paul speaks about our citizenship in, in chapter 3, being in heaven. And that's what we are. So it's not necessarily that, that we need to act something that we're not. We actually, we, we, we allow what we are to display itself. Paul talks about that in Colossians. He, he talks about setting, and the verse we spoke of before, set your hearts and minds on things above. But it's actually, the verse before that is, it's because you have been raised with Christ. So it's not that we have to suddenly start to do this. It's because of what he's already done. Religion is is do this, and then you will be that. Whereas actually, our walk with the Lord is, he's already done it. Because he's done it, live that way. And I think that's what Paul says here. You know, be the citizen That that God has made you. Be who you are. Live the life that God has has given you. So here we go. Here here are the the five apples or the five bits of fruit that we're gonna spring to. And we'll use that phrase, whatever happens. So so here's the first one. And you'll many of you will know a lot of these little little apples that I'm gonna pick here. So whatever happens, be confident. And and that's verse my glasses are here. I was looking for my glasses. That's age, isn't it? When you look for your glasses, where are they? They're they're still on the table. So chapter one, verse, verse six. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ. And I don't know about you, but I get frustrated with my, my distance from completion when I think of my walk with the Lord. I think I'm more aware of my sin and, and my mess today than I was when I became a Christian many years ago. It's a frustration, isn't it, that, that I have not progressed more than, than I would like. And I don't know if you get frustrated uh, with yourself as well. I think one of the key things is, is, is the word began is, is a completed, uh, the, the tense is aorist, it's complete. So that, that work that he began is a completed work. It's completed in our hearts when we came to know him. It was completed on the cross. When, when Jesus was crucified, the last words he said was tetelestai, it's done, it's complete, it's taken care of. So so be confident of the fact that what he began, he will finish. I'm a project manager for a construction company. I took that picture, according to my phone, on January the 7th. And that's up uh, on Goldstream Heights, or just above Goldstream Heights, Ridgeline Drive. And we poured those footings in late December, just before Christmas. And then we had a a few events, didn't we, Uh, through, through the Christmas period. And whatever we had here, you have a lot more up there. And, and the clients would, would text me and, and, and say, hey, we're really frustrated that we're not moving on. You're not moving on with our project. And I, I kind of sent this picture back and said, this is why we're not moving on. We can't pour concrete when it's, when it's minus 10 or minus 15 or whatever it was. And, and they were frustrated that, that you know, they, they, we have an app that shows when the house will be finished. And they're like, this is going to move. This is going to move from the beginning of September until November, October, you know, and so on. And and that frustration has carried on through through the job. And we're nearly done now. We're about about five weeks away from that date. And the the date that we gave them in December hasn't changed. But I got this text yesterday. You probably can't read it. It's too small. But but the the client, she's saying, you know, can we move our stuff in before you're finished? You know, she's eager. She's eager for the job to be done. And and isn't that us sometimes with the Lord? We're eager. We're eager for, you know, for, for him to complete his work in us. Well, be confident that he will, that, that it's, a, it's a done deal. What he began, he will finish. So, bounce again. Whatever happens, think correctly. And I love what Bernice shared about, about attitude and mind. And, and, and I think these verses that you might be familiar with, um, I, I, I think, speak really clearly of that. Paul, in chapter 2, talks about being, being like-minded and, and putting other people's needs ahead of yourself, which, which is, is tough in our, in our culture. You know, we, we're basically told to look after ourselves, that we have all these rights and everything else, but actually, biblically, we, we should be considering others better than ourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests and the, that comfort bubble that we all love, but also to the interest of others. And then it says your attitude or your mind, really, should be the same of Christ. And and these verses that follow are are really a great parallel. If you want something to do tonight, parallel these verses with John chapter 13 and Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Because the action of washing the disciples' feet um, is exactly the same as these verses. We we find in in John 13, Jesus reclining at the table. He's got the place of honor at the table. The food is prepared. Everything's ready. The the, the scene is set. Um, The the room's been found. The table's laid and everything else. But one ingredient is missing, and that's the, the, the lowest servant who should be there to wash the feet. It's part of their culture, probably le- reclining at the table. People's feet would be quite close to you, so that needed to be done. So you can kind of picture the scene. Jesus in the place of honor, the other disciples all around, probably, probably Lazarus there as well. What, what happens? Jesus gets up from the table, so he leaves his place of honor. He takes off his outer garment. He puts a towel around his waist. And he really takes that that position of a servant. He takes that, that lowest, most lowly position, and he goes down and he washes the disciples' feet. None of the other disciples thought of doing that, and they, they were embarrassed that he was doing it for them. But let me read these verses and just relate that to, to Jesus as he leaves the, the, the place uh, uh, with the Father, makes himself nothing, pours himself out, just like he pours the water into the vessel to wash the disciples' feet. Then he returns to that place of honor. So... It's, it's a great little parallel that maybe we're not aware of. So your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross." Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. What a great picture as, as Jesus uh, gives us that visual example of, of a real servant, of putting other people's needs. You know, he had every right to have that position of honor, but he, he left that position of honor to serve. He poured himself out. So as we bounce on the trampoline, whatever happens, you know, uh, I have these thoughts of of I'm more important than somebody else, or I need to to gratify myself. I need to put myself first. I, I, really, the 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 ultimate thought, and it really comes from Satan, is that I want to be God. I want I want control of my life. But as we as we can, whatever happens, as we think correctly, we as Jesus did, he he was God and is God and 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 continue to be God. But he set that attribute aside as he became man, and and. That's what Paul's saying here is, is our attitude should be the same as that. That we set aside that desire to be God and control our lives. And we serve others and serve, serve the Lord. So, so whatever happens, can think correctly. And then thirdly, we bounce again. Whatever happens, work out. Did anybody work out this morning? I'm sure there must be some here who have worked out. I think there was a partial hand. A bunch of lazy guys. They had no working out this morning. Okay, well, maybe, maybe six days a week we work out. I think we spend a lot of time. If you're like me, I, I don't work out much. But, but we, we spend a lot of time looking after our, our physical body and so on and working out. Um, but I, I, I like what Paul says here. He says, continue to work out your own salvation. And I think we're pretty good at working out other people's, aren't we? We're, we're really good at pointing fingers uh, and either, you know, blaming or pointing fingers and thinking, I wish I was like them. Uh, but I'm not. But but the, the encouragement here is to, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But the next verse is key. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And in the English language, we have both those words just being work. We work out our salvation. We don't work for it. We know that, don't we? We work our salvation out. But, but they're actually different in the Greek. The first one is, yes, to work, to the act of working. But the second one is, is energize. So it's God who energizes. We work, he energizes. He's the, you know, the, the little rabbit in the battery. He's the energy as we work out. And uh, I, I'll show you this picture, a little bit embarrassing, of, of this young couple 30, nearly 30 years ago. Um, we made, Laurie and I made commitments to each other before God and with each other. And if you had said to me that in 30 years after this event, we'd still be working our marriage out, I'd say, no, by then we'll have it all sorted out. We are still working our marriage out. I'm not working for our marriage. Maybe it's times we have to when when things are really tough, but but not working for it, but working our marriage out. We were doing some tongue and groove in in our porch yesterday with kind of doing a little bit of a, a remodel at home. And uh, and I realized that after thirty years we still don't communicate all that well. I'm not I, I don't communicate that well sometimes with my wife. We're still working it out. And 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 that's it. That this this journey with the Lord is a continuing, we work out our salvation. We learn, we learn to to follow the Lord, we learn to hear his voice, we learn to to have an ear for his voice and communicate back. It's it's an ongoing process as he gives us his life. It's the the energy that he's already given us in the sense that he lives within us, he's forgiven us and, and we have a, a, an eternity to look forward to being with him. But right now we, we work that out. We work out our salvation. So bounce again on the trampoline. And we're stuck. There we go. Whatever happens, press on. Press on. And it, and it, you, you really need to read and, and I hope you do um, take a look at Philippians. But Philippians chapter 3, particularly you kind of see Paul's journey where he, he, he talks about the, that he has a right to boast because he, he was a religious man, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. But then he comes to the point of saying, well, actually, I consider it rubbish, garbage, dirt, the worst kind of dirt. I consider it nothing compared to knowing Christ. And then he says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And I I think that's part of the Christian life too, is that sometimes we just have to press on. We have to forget what's what's behind. The, the, our enemy, the devil, loves to, to to point at us and say, "Hey, do you remember what you did then? Do you remember remember that?" I think that the, the Lord wants us to press on and and forget some of those things and 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 move on. We need to remember what Jesus has done for us, but, but and then move on. Uh, about a month ago, some of us uh, walked from Shawnigan Lake to Lake Cowichan, um, and the 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 goal was to to start with your hand in Shawnigan Lake and end up with your hand in or I uh, swim or whatever in in Lake Couchin. and and this is 6:30 in the morning. Everybody's looking. I don't know how well you can see it on there, but we're all looking pretty pretty sprightly, especially you know the younger ones. And uh, and we start walking 43k. Well, this was us at the end, and you you probably can't tell, but most of these guys did it pretty easily. I think everybody to some extent, even Levi, there was a little bit of difficulty, but 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 for me, the last 10 kilometers. I had to press on. There, there was there were my blisters were massive, and it was literally just press on, just press on. Forget what's behind. I've done you know 37 kilometers and press on to the end. And I was so tired I couldn't even lay down to put my hand in because I was for fear of not being able to get up again. So, but I I think that's part of the Christian life. That part of this process of of knowing the Lord and and there's there's days there's times when we just have to press on. We have to forget what's behind. We press on to the goal. Uh, we were doing it to raise funds. And in some ways, in some way, I could have quit ten kilometers before the end and we still would have got the funds that we wanted to get to, to, to raise for for something. But, uh, but there was a satisfaction in actually finishing. There was a satisfaction in getting to the end, in pressing ahead. And it really did just take pressing on. And then lastly, as we take this last jump on the trampoline, whatever happens, be content. And, and I think that's difficult in, in our 21st century, where we're bombarded by get this, have this, this is better, change to this. Maybe, maybe even maybe even move churches. It's much better over there than it is here. It's much better. You know, the, there's a, a lack of contentment because we're bombarded by by other attractions that might be better. It's a bit like, do you ever watch TV or or want to watch something? And mm, this is good, but there might be something better on another channel. It's a bit different now because we probably don't even watch TV. We we can. Choose what we want, when we want. But uh, I, when, when Laurie sends me, occasionally I'll pick up groceries because I'm in town. She'll send me a list. And if I go shopping, invariably I get the list, or I try to, but then I'll always get a few other things because I think, well, that's nice. It'd be great to have that. So it ends up being the list plus the things that I want as well. And I think what, you know, Paul was really, his, his intent here was to thank the Philippian church for for sending him money, sending in provisions, and so on. In, in fact, he commends them as, the, as really the only church that has done that. But he said, I didn't really need it. He says, I didn't really need all that. I thank you for it, but I didn't really need it. I, I've learned to be content in, in every circumstance. And, and I think that's a great lesson that we could learn, to, to be content. And I, I know this is talking perhaps perhaps physically, but, uh, but I think there's a contentment. You know, A lot of us are disappointed with, with perhaps how we look. We're disappointed with our, our body shape. We're disappointed with where we work. We're disappointed with where we're at. We're disappointed in our in our marriages or in our relationships. And I think there's there's something wonderful about about learning contentment. Paul says in in First Timothy six six he says, "Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain." And I think it is, isn't it? To to be content. To be content. We go swimming nearly every day down at Maple Bay just because it's so hot and, it, and it's so lovely. And I look at all those boats out there and I think, oh, I would love to have one of those boats. But actually, I, I'm, I'm actually also content just having a swim out to the floating dock. It's, it's fantastic. I can look at those boats and cover but but there's, there's a satisfaction and a contentment. Um, and I think we need to learn that, 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 that God has given us, this is our a lot. This is, he's given us just what we need. And uh, this picture here is is the back of our house. I took it yesterday. This is our very humble vegetable plot. It's, it's, it's not protected. There's no fence around it, so the deer have nibbled. We try to put things in there that they wouldn't like, but they don't know that, that they don't like it, so they try it anyway. We've, we've over-watered everything. The, the soil is not good soil. We just used what was lying around, so it's not great soil. Um, it, it, it's really not a very good vegetable plot, and we're not very good gardeners. But you know what? These vegetables are growing. They're growing where they're planted. And, and I love that idea that so, somebody said to me many years ago, or quite a few years ago, you know, grow where you're planted. And for many of us, we're not content, and we're not, we're not growing because we're not content. Uh, and I, I speak to myself as well, uh, perhaps in, in the things that I am involved with and where we are now, is to, to learn contentment and grow where where, where I'm planted. And there is fruit. We we dug an onion up the other day, hoping it would be, you know, a really big onion. It was tiny. It was small. But there is fruit. And and I I encourage you to, whatever happens, be content and grow where you planted. You may not be in the best job in the world, or you may not be in your dream job. You may just be be going through the motions. But grow where you planted. You, You may not be in the in what you think is a great marriage, but grow where you planted. Maybe location-wise, you're thinking, well, I, I would love to be living somewhere else. I don't know why, because this is probably the best place on the planet. But, uh, but grow where you're planted. So there we go. We've had five bounces in about 20 minutes. Whatever happens, be confident. Be confident that he'll finish it. Whatever happens, think correct correctly. Let's have that mind of Christ. The mind that, 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 of, that is a servant that wants to serve others and doesn't gratify self. Let's work out our salvation. It, it is a process. It's not a click of a finger. Let's press on. And, and it might be today that, that you, you actually just have to press on. The blisters are hurting. You, you want to stop. Everything in you wants to give up, but maybe you need to press on. Maybe, maybe we just need to be content. And it, Paul says, I've learned to be content. And I think Bernice said that too, that the, the process of learning, that we learn it's not a, oh, I'm suddenly content. But actually, we, we start to be thankful for things. We start to be thankful for situations and circumstances and, and be content. We had a, a friend pass away a couple of weeks ago, and we, we attended the funeral online on Wednesday. And, uh, and, and the, the, one of the people sharing about Sue's life spoke about the last minutes of, of her life. She'd been in hospital for about a month, and, and was frustrated by the noise, there was construction going on outside the hospital. I think that nothing, nothing worse than your last hours, there's construction going on. But as, as Sue breathed her last, the construction stopped. And, and I kinda like, it reminded me of this, it reminded me of, of Billy Graham's wife's grave. Um, end of construction, thank you for your patience. And, and I guess as I, as I think of whatever happens and, and all of our circumstances, you know, let's be patient with each other because it is a construction process, but it will be finished. It will come to an end. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, for your word. Thank you for, for equipping the Apostle Paul to... Um, to, to write these letters from a, a lockdown, difficult situation that can encourage us today, a couple of thousand years later. Father, I pray for each of us, I pray for myself, that we would, and that I would learn to conduct myself in a way that is honoring to who I am because of who you are. I pray, Father, um, for my, my brothers and sisters here, that they would, they would know confidence, contentment, would know your mind, would know your perseverance, and, and just be able to press on whatever the circumstance. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.